Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Eight minutes after two. So we're going to have a, a very important conversation, but I think it's going to, also going to be a very uncomfortable conversation because we've had to reckon with our relationship with alcohol. In the past couple of weeks, we've seen how our consumption of alcohol results in so many other problems, health and, and how we've burdened the health system and so on. And of course, it's contentious because people want to go back to drinking their alcohol. But have we actually had time to reckon with our relationship with alcohol? So I came across this article uh, written by uh, Vumani Mkiza, who's a BBC Africa business correspondent, which I thought for me was such a true account of what happens to many South Africans and how they become alcoholics. And then I'm also going to have another guest, uh, Janet Gowround, who's a founder of World Without Wine. Um, something slightly different to what you get at the AA meeting. So we'll talk about that and, and, and why this is different and why this works differently. But Vumani is on the line with us and uh, his article is termed Coronavirus in South Africa, Toxic Relationship with Alcohol. He joins me on the line. Vumani, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Pamela. Thanks so much for having me on the show. What, so what propelled you to open up number one, about your personal relationship with alcohol? Mm. Sure. Uh, well, um, Pamelo, as a business journalist, um, I was covering the story of um, the alcohol ban in the, in the country and how it was affecting uh, large businesses, small businesses, uh, restaurants, and, and so on. So I was doing a business story, essentially, uh, for TV and for radio. And then the time came for me to pen um, the, the, the text article, essentially. Mm. And I thought I wouldn't be able to do it justice uh, without um, actually telling my own personal story and my own personal struggles um, with alcohol. And, um, you know, because I could have mentioned the fact that our economy was hemorrhaging jobs mm. and the fact that uh, tavern owners were struggling um, and so on. But at the same time, for me to be able to tell that story in, in a way that would resonate with um, South Africans and the way that we consume alcohol, I needed to make it personal and I needed to tell my story. So therefore, I took it to that place where I, um, I, I had my first uh, blind drunk experience as a 17-year-old in boarding school. And that was um, essentially my first introduction to uh, alcohol. And um, in that article, I relayed how um, in my childhood, I'd seen my uncles uh, drinking and family members. And it was all part of um, the, 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 the drinking culture that I witnessed growing up. And it was seen as um, an aspirational thing. It was encouraged. Yeah. And um, that's how I grew up. And um, when I started writing the article, all of those memories came about and I had to include that in the piece. Uh, and I'm going to speak to Janet now, whose story is slightly different to yours. But what I am picking mm. up a lot of in your story is how we haven't dealt with the fact that, you know, we glorify drinking. And, and that's what you're pinpointing <laughs> to, that actually nobody says, hang on, there's a problem here. It's festive. It is celebratory. It is, it's something that we, we, as you said, aspire to. Sure. 
that's the culture that I essentially was drawing uh, or alluding to in the piece. It is definitely glorified. Um, and, um, you know, um, being able to afford a case of beers or the most expensive whiskey or, so, or whatever alcohol uh, beverage that you may consume is seen as something that you should aspire to. And you'd notice it in the different adverts. Um, you'd see it with um, the different celebrities who are all endorsing some form of alcohol brand or another. So within South African society, alcohol is glorified um, and the consumption thereof. But um, the negative effects of it are swept underneath the carpet. You only see um, happy faces, smiling people who are enjoying, um, you know, consuming. But at the same time, uh, the dark side of it um, is definitely not um, looking about. And for many years, I went through that dark side mm-hmm. where I... Um, I struggled a lot with alcohol and other substances that I was um, consuming mm. for over 10 years. Uh, meanwhile, trying to maintain some form of professional life. At the same time, I had this dark side of me. So, um, yes, I think, you know, in, in South African society, it's definitely something that's um, not spoken about. And we, we need to speak more openly about the dangers that exist um, in uh, our overindulgence in, um, in, in alcohol, definitely. I mean, I want to pick up on the journey to, to dealing with then reckoning with being an alcoholic because it's exactly that. Janet Gorant is, is a founder of World Without Wine and I want to pick up with her because it's, it's exactly that, Janet, that you were picking up on, on the fact that, in fact, even if you had the will in the world to say, I want to deal with the fact that I'm an alcoholic, I need support, there really isn't much out there that, that kind of supports you and holds your hand and makes you feel like you can get through this, is there? Six years ago, when it was obvious that I had a problem, I was drinking a bottle of wine every evening. So I went to AA, actually, and, and it just didn't work for me. I just couldn't kind of settle and find find my people so I ended up going to a workshop in London, mm. which I'm from, and that, that worked for me because they gave me some tools and they connected me with the right people. So it's it's just essential to find your tribe, really, I think. Mm. And and what made it difficult, Janet? You know, you say you went to London. What made it difficult here? Um, all, all I could find was AA here. Mm. There may be other people, but I've been doing this work now for nearly six years and I haven't really discovered uh, a lot else. And and for you, Vumani, um, the kind Mm. of support that you required and what was at your disposal, um, did you find it easy to get support? Um, initially, no, it, it wasn't easy to, to, to get that support because I was hiding it at, at first uh, for a long time. So I was living this dual life, essentially, where, I mean, like, I've been lucky enough that I've always generally performed well at work. and um, But at the same time, I was leading a double life. So I was hiding the fact that I was, you know, um, uh, consuming a lot. And then um, when it really got bad, I, um, you know, I, I eventually sought the help of a therapist. Um, and, you know, that worked for a bit. But then my problem didn't require therapy. It required uh, professional help within the AA uh, setting. And, um, you know, so it took me a number of tries before I, I eventually got it right. I think the, when I finally sobered up properly uh, five years ago, uh, because I'm five years um, sober now, uh, I actually went to a, a rehabilitation um, a facility where I spent uh, over a month there. And thereafter, I've been attending AA and, and, and uh, classes um, since then. And for me, it's 
not just been about um, uh, AA. It's been other lifestyle choices that I've had to make in order just to keep myself um, on, a, on an even footing. Janet, you've been doing this work for a long time. What creates an alcoholic? Uh, well, in my view, I mean, in my case, and I've worked with hundreds of people over the years, and with a lot of them, it kind of creeps up on us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's insidious. And the science tells us that if we drink consistently, you know, just socially, not not going over the top, but if you drink consistently for a period of about 20 years, you'll almost certainly become dependent. So I think it's very easy for us to, you know, we drink in our 20s, in our 30s, we're establishing our careers and we're setting up our families. But by the time we reach our 40s, we're often using alcohol rather differently. We're using it to self-medicate. You know, we might be stressed out at work or a bit lonely, and that's a bit of a warning sign. So many of us in our 40s and 50s, we become what I call almost alcoholics. You know, we drink every day, we drink alone sometimes, and we're certainly drinking more than the recommended safe limits, which are one and a half bottles of wine a week. Hmm. So um, that's a, a pretty slippery slope. You know, and, and if we don't cut down, then, um, you know, we can get into trouble after that. You know, Vomani talks about the culture and how very easily, um, you know, you could be lured into this culture of thinking it's okay. It's what everybody does, right? Everybody talks about having a glass of wine at the end of a long day. Everybody posts about these wonderful glasses of alcoholic drinks. And it's it's just what people do. So you almost get the sense sometimes that if you're not doing it, you you just, you know, you you want, you're the only one out. I agree totally. It's been completely normalized. And uh, we often say that uh, alcohol is the only drug you have to justify not taking Mm. because it's a drug. You know, it's a legal drug and it's everywhere, but it's still a drug. And that's why some of us, you know, not everybody, but some of us get into trouble with it. I'm going to take your calls on 0891-104-207 with your comments and maybe just your own personal story with alcohol. And I'll also take your voice notes on 0614-104-107. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. Um, in conversation with Vomani Mkiza, who's a BBC Africa business correspondent who, t- who, who penned a really interesting piece on his journey with uh, dealing with alcoholic um, beverages and, and his own experiences, but also was just giving us a bit of a something to think about. Because, you know, as South Africans, I don't think we've ever dealt with having to deal with our real problem with alcohol. And I think we skirt around the issue. We talk about all sorts of other things, but we haven't really dealt with how as a, as, as a nation. We have a really toxic relationship with alcohol. I'm also in conversation with Janet Gowrand, who is a founder of World Without Wine, and she runs workshops um, in helping people deal with their alcoholic uh, problems. Um, Janet, where does a country begin to reimagine itself? Um, because if if the culture of alcohol is, as we see it now, one of aspiration and we you know I'm not much of a drinker but I can tell you now I cannot tell you how many times I feel very alone in spaces where people drink alcohol I don't feel the need to drink but the pressure is always there how do we begin to shift society's view on alcohol well I think it is happening but 
far too slowly. I mean, in the UK, for example, 20% of the young people, you know, they're kind of 18 to 25, they don't drink anymore. So I think that's, that's hopeful. And also, um, what's quite interesting is the alcohol-free drinks market has just exploded. When I stopped drinking six years ago, I had to drink either Coke or water, which made the whole thing even more miserable. But these days, you know, there are so many drinks available. And I think AB InBev, I was hearing the other day, they've now got the head of alcohol-free drinks department. And he's been told that in five years' time, his uh, turnover will be 25% of the entire company. So it's a huge market, which indicates that things are changing. And, you know, we, we're finding more and more organizations and, and we, we're promoting it as a lifestyle choice, really, because that's what it is. You can't just stop drinking and, and not change anything else. You know, you have to reconfigure your life a bit and start enjoying kind of ordinary pleasures a little bit. Because if we rely too much on alcohol, then our bodies stop creating dopamine. And the only thing that we really enjoy is alcohol. Vomani, hmm. you, you, you were, you know, speaking about your experience um, and in your community, how it's just one of those things that, you know, you've got to you've got to be drinking to be one of the boys. Have you mm. found that now that you are sober, it's harder? It's harder to be part of the community? Sure. Well, I lost a lot of friends, wow. uh, first of all, because I had to just um, extricate myself from that boys' club of, you know, hanging out at a bar or a club or something mm-hmm. over the weekend to go out drinking. So I had to just pull away from that um, from that lifestyle. And I like what um, the, 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 uh, our fellow guest was saying in terms of um, you know, cultivating another lifestyle away from alcohol. And for me, that's essentially what I had to um, had to do in order to find happiness, in order to find peace. Um, you know, I am an avid uh, fitness fanatic. Um, I love running. I love going to the gym. I love playing golf. I do other things. I, I love hiking with my girlfriend. So I love doing other things outside of just socializing within uh, restaurants and bars and pubs. So, um, you know, I'd encourage many other people to, to look into that and um, to, to just move away from these traditional forms of, of, of socializing that we find in, um, in so many parts of South African society. It's one thing to be able to extricate yourself from, um, from friends and so on. But, Janet, I, mm. I imagine a lot of people struggle with, with family. Family reunions and, and gatherings also involve alcohol in most instances. Totally. I mean, I do say to people, this this journey, it takes courage and it takes confidence. And you've really got to be assertive. You know, it's no good saying, oh, no, I shouldn't really have that drink. You know, you've just got to say, I'm doing this. That's why I'll, I'll kind of break focus, because at the moment we're running Sober Spring. So if people aren't drinking, they just say to their families, their friends, oh, I'm doing a Sober Spring Challenge. You know, I'm on a, a health kick for 66 days. And that makes people back off a bit because if you say you're on a health kick, then, you know, we're all on health kicks, aren't we? But if you say I'm giving up drinking, my Mm -hmm. goodness, you know, it causes a sensation. And and what we don't like when we're early in recovery is is to be the centre of attention. How do we dissuade young people from being lured from alcohol, Janet? Well, it takes education. I mean, I've... 
I wish that there was more education in school because alcohol is a toxin and you know, we, we need to be very careful with it, just not, not drink more and more and drink at every single occasion. And I think, you know, education is the answer. The combination of education and alcohol-free drinks, you know, the fact that there's, there's some really nice alcohol-free beers on the market these days. So I think that makes it easier for the guys. You know, they can be at the braai with their bottle of beer and, you know, hopefully people will, will leave them alone because they'll just think that they're drinking beer. So I think, you know, we've just got to find ways to educate people. You know, Vomani, you, you say you were one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Uh, you were able to be functional. Uh, and that, I think, is also part of the problem. There are lots of people, actually, who can be very functional while they are on, on really dangerous substances. So what then mm. was the thing that forced you to reckon with the fact that you are an alcoholic? Sure. Um, yeah, yes, I was functional, but it was on a slippery slope mm. because I was getting to the point of dysfunction. So I I'd gotten to the point. I mean, look, for me, it wasn't just alcohol. I was also in, in using other substances mm-hmm. as well. But alcohol has always been a major uh, contributor. So I mean, I'd gotten into a bit of trouble at at work, and then I had a bit of um, uh, I had to confront my uh, the disease that was essentially engulfing my life. Mm-hmm. So I, um, you know, I it was getting to a point where I was just feeling miserable, depressed. And I couldn't go on anymore. You know, it was either I was going to drink myself into a stupor, lose my job, or end up just dying. You know, it was just getting to that point. So thankfully, I was um, about to turn 30 years old. Uh, I realized that I couldn't go into my 30s with the same old baggage that I'd been carrying in my 20s again. Mm -hmm. You know, so that psychological uh, age essentially changed my frame of thinking. I sought professional help. I went into a rehab, I stayed there, and I, you know, I really wanted it. I wanted to change. I wanted to, 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 to live my life differently because everything that I had done in my 20s was making me miserable, regardless of how well I was doing at work and mm. um, the accolades I was achieving. None of that meant anything to me because deep down I wasn't happy. So that reckoning um, essentially changed my life and, and, and changed it for the better. Janet, what was it for you that made you reckon with your alcoholism? Uh, blackouts. Sure. <laughs> I was having blackouts and that just frightened me to death because I researched them and it transpires that when you have a blackout, it's not that you've forgotten things, mm-hmm. but your brain is so soaked in alcohol, you can't make the memories in the first place. Yeah. And for some reason, that, that really frightened me because I, I knew that I was harming my body. I'd had breast cancer mm-hmm. and there, there are links you know, the, the evidence is stacking up that there are links between breast cancer and heavy drinking, but I, I didn't change after the breast cancer. But somehow, when I, when I discovered that I'm damaging my brain as well as my body, that that was it for me. But I still had to get help. You know, I couldn't just do it. Mm. And but and, another word on sorry. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, Janet. Yeah, I was just going to, uh, you know, your, your fellow guest, he was very functioning. Well, I'd like to say to him congratulations for getting his act together yeah. so early. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd been as young when I changed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, this functioning thing, because I think alcoholism, alcoholism is a spectrum. 
because society stereotypes the alcoholic, don't mm. they? they? They think it's the, the homeless man mm. in the park touching mm. his bottle. Mm. And at the other end of the spectrum, there's the person that doesn't drink. Mm. But in fact, there's millions of us along this spectrum, and some of us are moving you know, towards the wrong end of it. Mm. So m- many, many people are functional. I think everybody that, that, that comes to my workshops or that I come across, you know, they've usually got uh, nice families and mm. high-powered jobs, but and they're holding it all together, but only just. It's, I mean, it's incredible what you, you, you are just telling me now, um, the idea of, of, of blackouts and, and what that meant for you, because that must be a lot of lost time in your life. Yes, when you stop drinking, you get so much time back, you know, and as your, your fellow guest was saying, he's now throwing himself into physical activities, which is a, a great thing to do because you get that endorphin rush from that. So, yeah, you, you have a whole, a whole load of time, you know, because if you're, if you're a heavy drinker, you're either planning the drinking, doing the drinking or recovering from the drinking, and that's a lot of your life. <laughs> I beg your pardon there. We just sort of lost there for a minute. I'm going to ask you both to just hang on for a few minutes while we catch up with the latest in headlines. And I'll be back with more of your calls, more of your questions on WhatsApp as well on 0614-104-107. It's 2.30. Let me go to Utsila Saku for the latest in headlines. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. I'm in conversation with uh, Janet Gowrand, who is a founder of World Without Wine, and uh, they they run workshops with people who are struggling with alcoholism. And I'm also in conversation with Bumani Mkise, BBC Africa business correspondent, who really penned a moving piece around his own relationship with alcohol and how he had to confront it. And it was um, also a piece around coronavirus in South Africa, toxic relationship with uh, with alcohol. Bumani, since your journey into recovery just how much of your life has changed how much are you have you recovered back and and owned back of your life i know that you you know you're saying you're back into physical activity a lot more and so on but is there a fundamental change in how you have engaged with life as opposed to when you were under the influence Yes, I think for me, it's just been a total turnaround in terms of just how I approach life. Um, I like I like what uh, Janet said in terms of just being able to reclaim your time. Uh, Because, yeah, while I was drinking, everything that I did was consumed by alcohol and my disease. And since then, you know, I've just felt like a completely uh, new person. I've thrown myself into um, into my work. Um, you know, I'm a you know I'm, I'm an award-winning journalist. Um, I've been able to get some fantastic accolades from the work that I've achieved, and I've thrown myself into physical activity. I um, engage so much more with um, the stories that I cover, and I'm just um, holistically, I feel so much better um, as a person. Um, and yeah, I, I just didn't have any of that sense of self and that sense of belonging when I was still drinking because I was just so mired in my in my problems and, and, and the issues that I was um, encountering on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Let's take a call from Linda, who's calling us from Durban. Hi, Linda. Hi, uh, how are you? I'm well. Thank, thank you so much for calling, Linda. Go ahead. Good evening, I guess, um, Julia. 
Okay. No, uh, my question is, I think it's the same uh, same thing as uh, Vumani is saying, started alcohol at the early age of of uh, being a teenager. Mm-hmm. But my concern here is, uh, I think last year or last of last year, last year and last of last year, I was drinking too much, like I was drinking every day. So it came to a point where I said to myself, no, I need to stop this. And there was an influence as well uh, of, a, of a partner. Uh, that I was dating by the time he was a heavy, she was a heavily drinker, and now I ended up uh, being a heavily drinker as well. Immediately when we broke up with her, then I started uh, trying to figure my life out. Then I stopped drinking every day. Then I started drinking on weekends, but it didn't make any difference drinking every day and drinking on weekends because if I drink on weekends, I will drink so much money. In a way, it's on Monday, I'll be mm. very broke. Mm. So it didn't make sense or it didn't help me any way around. And this week, I uh, took a decision and say no, I need to stop completely. But I didn't say I'm stopping. I said I'm taking a break on alcohol. But I'm trying to figure ways out on how I'm going to deal with this. And uh, I don't want to lie to you. It's my first weekend and I wish mm. to go through this weekend and other weekends and other coming weekends, but I'm trying to figure out because, like, you know, the situation where you're working far from home and you don't have family or support. So the only thing that entertain you only have friends that you drink with. So they are the ones that entertain you. They get out, uh, uh, take you out of your house. And so I'm, I'm really, like, if I can have maybe... Uh, if you can guide me without the solution of a rehab, because I'm I'm so uh, <laughs> I'm so scared of going to rehab. Without the solution of a rehab, I want to work on myself. I want to stop this thing of drinking because uh, financially I've made me, my situation to be worse, and mm-hmm. I've just focused on wrong things now and again. But this is will be the first weekend, and I so wish to pass this sure. first weekend. Janet, um, you've heard these before, yes, haven't you? I've got a suggestion. Yes, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'd say to Linda, well done for figuring out that you've got to stop. Because when you cross the line with your drinking, there's no going back. There's only stopping and then going forward, you know, and creating a new life. But what I would suggest that Linda does is get in touch with me. Mm. and We'll put him on our sober spring challenge and you'll be part of a community that are all doing this uh, 66 alcohol-free days together. And in that community, we have people who have a problem and we have people that are just taking a break for health reasons. Mm. But they all support each other beautifully and there are, there's audio support and online support as well. So if Linda just wants to drop me an email, I'll sort him out and he'll start on Monday. Uh, we will do that. Janet, I am hearing fear. Total fear. I mean, he wants to, but I'm picking up just the the absolute total fear of this journey that he wants to get into, but he's very afraid to start the journey. Yeah, well, I understand totally. And and I think many of us stay trapped for years and years Mm. because we're worried Mm. about what our friends will say. We're worried that we'll fail. But, you know, all I can suggest is that he just dives in there because um, I think you're quite young as well. (laughs) You've got a different life ahead. You know, you've got two paths here and you need to choose the path where you're not drinking and you'll have a completely different and better life. Hmm. Anonymous is calling us from Durban. Good afternoon, Anonymous. 
Good afternoon, Pamela. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you for... I, I'm a dry for 15 years now. Wow. Uh, I was an alcoholic, like Janet said. I spent my time planning to drink, drinking and then recovering from drinking. <laughs> sure. I went to a funeral, I went to a wedding, I went to a prayer, I was drinking. Sure. And I'm dry for 15 years now, and I joined an organization, and I'm dry, so there's hope for the alcoholic. Mm, love that. Let me just take some voice notes uh, coming through. Okay. Thank you, Pamela, for a beautiful show. You know, uh, this show is just, it's just, it's just so fantastic to talk about these things uh, because I'm one of those guys that are stuck, and uh, it's so, so difficult to get out. You know, I have a beer every single morning, a quart of beer in the morning. Right now, I'm on lunch uh, at work and break the first thing i did i went to the bar bought myself a quart of beer and i'm sitting in my car having um the courts with some with some food and then i'll do the same thing in the afternoon before i go home and then i'll do the same thing at night before i sleep and this is just a cycle that never ends you know hi sm family this is siabonga innocent sauce from Pochepstein. I'm so happy to listen to this guy that is talking about this thing of alcohol. I had my own uh, confession. I remember in 2018, I think it was one or two weeks before my wife gave birth. I used 6,000 rand on that one week, weekend. That's 6,000 rand that I used. It was the money that I saved for almost from like six months before the birth and the problem that i saw that day all my friends they did not tell me that it was wrong yes it is right you have to change all your friends if you want to quit this thing of alcohol right now i don't have any friends i'm building my house i'm married i've got a wife i've got two kids thank you safm sure Janet, just listening to that caller um, that said yeah. as he, the first thing he does when he wakes up is to drink yeah. a beer. It's just so sad. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a terrible trap. Sure. Vomani, do you want to comment? I mean, I don't know if this resonates sure. with you, yeah? Yeah, no. I mean, I, all of those stories resonate with me. Um, you know, the caller who who's uh, drinking a, a quart of beer in the morning and mm. is drinking one during lunch. I mean, it just speaks to the cycle of addiction, that never-ending spiral, uh, which takes you deeper and deeper into, um, you know, to, to despair. I mean, I wasn't drinking every day, but when I did drink, I was drinking heavily, binge drinking until I passed out, mm. until my friends would sometimes carry me out of clubs or bars or whatever. You know, so the the, the the excessive nature of our drinking um, is definitely exemplified by some of what the callers are saying. But I'm very happy to hear of the, the gentleman who's been clean for mm. sober for 15 years. Mm. That gives us uh, so much encouragement going forward. Uh, so I appreciate uh, both of you for coming through. Janet, before you leave, could you just share your details? Lots of people are asking how do they get hold of you that love to come to the workshops. Yes, it's uh, quite a simple world without wine. 
And do check out our Sober Spring Challenge because it starts on Monday. We only do it once a year. Yay. Really, thank you so much both for, for being part of this conversation, a very frank but heartfelt conversation. Vumanem Kize, thank you so much for, for opening up and, and being so honest about your story. You really are an inspiration. He's a BBC Africa business correspondent, award-winning correspondent, may I just add, Janet Garand, who is a founder of World Without Wine, and you can find her on uh, worldwithoutwine.com. Com.